Hi everyone, welcome back. Um, welcome to this episode. Um, can't wait to get started. We have a very exciting guest today. Um, his name's Brendan. Hi, Brendan. Hello. Um, just going to let Brendan have a quick introduction about himself and sort of his company, and then we'll get started and, and have a detailed chat. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, so basically, as you said, my name's Brendan Walker. Um, I'm from Doncaster. Education-wise, I studied uh, for a national diploma in graphic design a degree in visual communication and a MA in design enterprise at Doncaster College. Um, and now the digital marketing team lead uh, for EMEA for a company called Insight uh, based in Sheffield. Um, a, brief, a brief background of the company um, is uh, <coughs> they were traditionally a reseller of IT products, which is now transitioning to a software as a service or solutions selling uh, company still keeping the products as a sort of backbone of the company, but we're more um, definitely involved in the uh, solution side of things. So it's quite, sounds quite detailed. Yeah, um, so we, we kind of knew the, the margins within um, product selling were limited, um, whereas now software uh, as a service is that the, the possibilities are endless. We can uh, map computers for um, companies that need them in a specific setup. Um, and we can deliver them on demand and scale up or down as needed. So it, it really is a sort of an open box there. It sounds, yeah, sounds definitely interesting and sounds like it's busy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, definitely busy. I mean, yeah, they just launched a, uh, well, their first intellectual property, which is based on uh, Microsoft um, Teams or in the Office 365 suite. Yeah. But there's definitely more to come um, and there's a lot of scope to uh, for, well, for companies to you know, uh, branch out and create their own um, niche areas within that, that service. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, now we've sort of got a bit of a background into yourself and your company, uh, let's dive into marketing and sort of your role and, and what you think of marketing and where it's going. All right, so with that being said, let's dive into marketing and talk about some marketing-specific um, areas. Um, so it sounds like, obviously, we've, we've covered what you do. It sounds like you have a very diverse sort of role. What would you say that you focus on the most and do the most? Um, so uh, what I focus on the most uh, from a day-to-day -day basis is um, the content management and the building of uh, the campaigns and marketing um, collateral. Um, that involves uh, translations uh, for 12 countries um, so you you know there's an undertaking of quite a big task to make sure that the original marketing plan that has been set up by the UK is then taken across to Germany France the Netherlands etc um, but also that entails looking into the uh, tone of voice for the regions because um, what we've definitely run into before is that what might work for a UK audience wouldn't necessarily work for um, the French, for example. Um, it might come across as quite abrupt or, you know, in some cases even rude. Um, so the, the majority of my role is to make sure that that content has a home to live on the website and that we get it down and it makes sense for the regions. And do you have, like, when you sort of translate, do you 
how do you go about it? Do you like research each country or how do you know which country sort of want how they so, want it? Um, it's been a long road that. So what we traditionally did is we have um, smaller offices in each region. Uh, I'll call them region, but country. Um, and we used to send all the documents and collateral to that one or two people in uh, France or Italy um, and ask them to translate it on the fly. Now, what we found is obviously they can translate it to local language, but the edge is lost a little bit because of the you know lost in translation yeah um so we started to work with a translations company who would translate on our behalf um so really close to the original messaging um and then we send it over to the regions just for them to double check make sure it makes sense that there's nothing that shouldn't be in there um they sign it off uh, and then it comes back um, to the uk team or my team where we can then roll out to the regions and put that content live. Yeah, I guess you can sort of make it even more narrow as well, like just talking about what you're speaking about, because even like if, if you're in the UK and people are targeting consumers, just for example, like the word bread cake or bap or roll, oh. like even in our country, people communicate differently. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely some uh, regional differences and um, we've run into a few things. So. For example, one of ours would be um, cloud and data center transformation. Um, the word cloud in Italy, um, what, what we would understand as, as software or um, online computing actually literally translates to clouds in the sky. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it creates a very confusing message when we're talking about sunny clouds uh, on a website <laughs> trying to talk about a software solution. So yeah, we've, we've had a lot of learning curves on that. Um, um, we've got a, um, it's kind of a library now of, of terms where we need to um, tweak them or move them so that we can try and avoid those issues. Yeah. How would you sort of say for like a small company, if they're shipping worldwide or like to Europe, how, how can they sort of find the time to make their product so, so spe- to- like specific or... Um, suitable. I know that's a very vague. No, yeah, it's a vague question. No, yeah. I, I suppose for uh, for translation aspects is, um, I would, if if we're sending something to a target region, then I would probably, using us as the example, I would use the translation translation agency, um, and then I'd just get the target region to double check the language, make sure that there's nothing really odd in there. Yeah. Um and just double check i mean the um we get reports back on translations and the accuracy is at 96 percent now so we're not too far away from we can never be perfect yeah. but when we're as close as we can get to it and yeah. that's that's where we want to be absolutely and then besides sort of translations and your, your content overseas is there anything that you focus on in the UK as like separately? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so in the UK we uh, also look after the social media channels uh, and run uh, campaigns. Um, so we primarily use uh, LinkedIn Campaign Manager yeah. um, and we target very specific audiences. Um, so a little bit more background around that is that as Insight are a reseller traditionally, we work closely with our partners, um, so we can have anyone from Adobe to Microsoft, um, uh, ArcServe, those kind of companies. They will give us part of their marketing budget to run marketing campaigns on their behalf. 
Um, so we utilize LinkedIn a hell of a lot to yeah. to to help us with that. Big responsibility. Just <laughs> yeah, those, those, those companies. Massively. Um, I mean, the testament there is that we have uh, won awards there. So we've got yeah. a um global marketing award for Cisco, um, for our uh, services for their security offering. Um, we've also been nominated for a, uh, I think it was four LinkedIn awards for the uh, marketing efforts of our teams. So it's, you know, a testament to that. But yeah. there's definitely, um, it's it's a very varied role. Um, anything can come through the door from the partner. So that makes it really an interesting day-to-day job. Yeah. And how, what made you distinguish LinkedIn as sort of the number one? Or do you use Facebook and Twitter <coughs> and Instagram as well? We, we did. Um, so the reason why... The only reason why we've differentiated it is because we are primarily business to business. Yeah. Um, what we saw a lot of through Facebook was it's more consumer. Yeah. Um, so I would say more B2C. Um, so we were getting asked for um, if we sell Beats headphones through Facebook. And of course, we answer those questions and we interact with those people. But primarily our target is people buying in large bulk or from business to business. So... LinkedIn for us is is the right fit. Um, the audience growth is over one hundred and twenty four percent over the last eighteen months. So it it shows that we're going in the right direction there. Um, and now our audience is just over one hundred twenty thousand people um, in the UK uh, and the EMEA regions. So it, it really helps. Yeah, it's quite a big a big audience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found I didn't realize the challenge sort of when I started that B2B, getting your customers to see what your content is. Because um, as a B2C company, like just from my personal experience, if you're scrolling down and you see Nike or Adidas or someone, you like, you instantly like it because you want to keep up. But if you see a company that you've never heard of, then you're not going to like it and it's hard to translate. Exactly. Yeah. And that is one of our biggest challenges. And I would say that's a big challenge moving forward is there's two things is making the making your own company aware that marketing will need to be um need to have a budget and need need to spend on it to raise awareness of who that company is yeah and then b you need to have your name out there to make people aware that that you're there and that's what you're doing you know creating that trusted persona yeah um for us we really kind of i won't say struggle but it's uh a, a challenge to put our tone of voice out there for B2C because we are primarily business to business. Um, the way I tackled that was we uh, instigated a um, sort of process where we did a three for one rule, which is three uh, trending news stories within our industry um, to one of our own sort of, this is what we do posts. Yeah. Um, so we interspersed that there and that really helped grow our channel. Um, and we still kind of, we do that, but we've dialed it back a little bit. So we're still doing, you know, the trending topics, the tech shows, the conferences and things, and really having that, that kind of trusted advisor role. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where we've, we've kind of pushed it. And do you find that you get more engagement on those like tech side yeah. like, articles than your, your own products? Or yeah, services? it can be, yeah. it can be. And, but I mean, it's all part of the course with that. I mean, the you know the the engagement is great if people are engaging on our channel they're more likely to see us in future yeah um so personally i would much rather we have people interacting on those sort of stories and going hey that that sounds great you know is that something insight are doing and you can say yeah we're, we're heading in that direction um 
it's a little bit more difficult when it comes to your bosses then saying what's the ROI or what's you know what's the return on investment of this spend and you're yeah because like, they're uh, clicking on your articles but they're not clicking yeah. to purchase well we, we've kind of tried to change the terminology so in ter- instead of having return on investment um, we've renamed it return on value yeah. so what are those engagements worth to your company rather than a uh, they've bought X amount yeah. sort of sense what have they how have they brought extra people to your business that's yeah. the way we kind of twisted it and you know it's it's been really received really well with the uh, senior leadership team at Insight um, our engagement is really good we do track through Google Analytics and we can see that social is part of the seven touch point cycle um, and a lot of um, money that has come through purchases can be attributed to social being one part of that journey so that's a that's a good area for yeah us. i think that return on value conversion stands out because yeah. like there's there is um there's no bad blog post or there's no bad clicks on your website it's all about building your brand and it doesn't have to be in this sort of an initial sale exactly and and there was something that really stood out for me when i when i first sort of started insight um we ran a campaign and it had over a million uh, views and it had over two and a half thousand clicks and the entire campaign was about seven thousand pounds spent and you take that to the uh, leadership team at the time and and they say is that good and that really is an eye-opener because you're like well <laughs> a million, yeah, yeah, yeah. million views <laughs> I, I don't really know how else to describe it other yeah. than exceptional but yeah um that was a real sort of eye-opener for everyone and at that stage they've really to their credit they've really backed the the marketing team there and they've said right you know like if if you're saying this is good we want to learn yeah. um we've sat down with the guys we've really sort of like mapped out where we're going with things and everything's running really good yeah i'm just going to sort of move on to sort of new area so um is there anything like Obviously, you're in a more of a seniority position than myself at the present. Is there anything that surprised you or anything that you've shifted focus from now you've sort of moved up? Or? Um, a little bit. I think um, what surprised me to start with is how, um, the, there's, especially talking from my own experience, is a bit of a disconnect between um, what comes through from marketing and what goes through to the sales team. Yeah. So what we would consider to be a good lead isn't always the case for sales and i think it's been a huge learning curve for us to understand what a salesperson would be looking for from a, a, a what you would call a qualified lead yeah. than what we were delivering so you know a few years ago now i'd say three four years ago we were looking at sending a lead over as soon as they downloaded a report that's not the case anymore it's they've downloaded the report they've had five minutes on site looking at these 10 pages all of that information is collected and sent to the salesperson who can then have a much more informed chat with that person. Yeah. I think what was happening before was they were getting this lead and they were ringing this, this lead up and saying, hey, you've looked at this report. And, and the guy was like, what report? And then the salesperson's like, well, uh, and it kind of yeah. falls down. So It's a bit too aggressive and excited almost. Yeah, so yeah. I think we now have sort of dialed that back and managed to give a lot more detailed information and that really drives more meaningful conversations. Yeah, and then 
we also let's also discuss if you think marketing sort of changed recently or if you have any ideas where it's headed just really quick yeah absolutely so <clears throat> I, I personally think that uh, marketing is changing it's moving towards a more uh, personalized experience yeah so that's delivering real-time content to somebody that is more relevant to their needs um, and that's something that we're definitely looking into and investing heavily in um, things like um, real-time personalization so um, if we know a person's looked at cloud on our website before we can then serve them cloud content the next time knowing yeah. that they're interested in it um, but I think as we move forward that's definitely going to be more of a um, an important sort of step rather than sort of marketing through a mass it's, it's yeah just one post for, to, yeah. for everyone yeah. yeah and especially if you know if you figure out how to do it and you're good at it chances are you're going to be much more successful targeting customers or groups specifically. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. And I think if we personalised uh, messages and we managed to, to you know, put 10, 15 pots in place rather than just one catch-all and hope for the best, yeah. then we're going to engage with a lot more people in a lot more meaningful ways. And that's definitely going to be a, a lot more value to us. Yeah, and I think as well, it's not just your company that, Will, or any company that's going to value it's the consumer as well. The consumer's seeing things that they want to see. Yeah, exactly. We've had some really good feedback. Um, we've got some things like the real-time personalization I touched on. So um, some people that uh, are already buying cloud um, software from us, they would then be served with, uh, hey, you're using too much at the moment. Do you want to scale down? Do you want to scale up? There's, you know, there's all these options in place and... Uh, and that really helps uh, drive us forward and, and make that connection between us and our consumer yeah. real strong. So you're almost putting their values and their needs first? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. Message. yeah we, do, we do tend to... So I guess you could call it we take a, a bit more of a hit on the short term if we're going to bring people... Um, if somebody's bought 100 licences for Adobe yeah. and they're only using 50, then it really makes sense to bring that down. Now eventually that trust is there then that they know exactly what they need at any point and they will trust us to manage that and yeah. if if they can trust us to do that then our marketing team's done its job yeah absolutely it's not just about like the initial exposure yeah that's it yeah. The, you know it's not the not going for the biggest amount of money it's it's really about the long term and the relationship yep um yeah i think we'll sort of wrap this section up keep try and keep in the 20 minute time slot and then we're going to move on to some graduate advice And we're just going to chat about sort of graduates and sort of getting that first step into marketing for a couple of minutes to finish off. Um, So first of all, um, how did you find it sort of from going from being a graduate and getting into your first role and like how many jobs did you apply for? Um, So I found it quite difficult going from graduate to um, finding the first role purely because it was around 2008 um, that's when the uh, the recession was, so I, I timed it perfect. Yeah. Um, and we sent well, I I printed out um around about seventy um A five booklets that I designed up, and they were all like you know, as I thought at the time, perfect. Yeah. Sent them out, and pretty much had maybe back from ten people saying, "Oh, we'll add you to the list," or yeah. you know, and you know, I took a lot of learning from that, and and at the time I was a bit disheartened, but. 
Um, actually, looking back on it now, I, I think it, it, it adds to you as a person moving forward. I end up um, meeting someone through um, sending out the, the uh, CVs um, who said, hey, it was a great idea, it's just the wrong time. Um, we're not looking, but someone else is. So it was kind of like networking. Um, and I think for me, that's the most important takeaway is if there's any, any sort of contact that you know within the industry you want to be in, um, just you know get in touch with them, see if there's anything um, that they can help you with. Uh, and network, network is so important. So yeah. I, I definitely do that. Yeah, I think just like touching on what you've said and my experience as well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with connecting on LinkedIn to industry experts or even someone you might know through a friend, friend or a family member. And then based on like your brochures that you've downloaded, that you downloaded and spent effort on, if there is ways for people to be creative and do like a direct mail or a, an old school style approach, then try it. Because everyone's yeah. going through those job sites and everyone's using Read and Indeed and those oh, definitely. platforms. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I think, uh, especially with LinkedIn, is if you don't already have an account, you know, get one on there, add all your achievements to it. It, it becomes your online sort of business portfolio, your CV in a way. Um, and you can open it up to recruiters who are also looking for, um, you know, graduates. And yeah. they're looking for people that they can fit into these new roles. So if you're on there and you, you, your qualifications are there, I think you stand a good chance there. Yeah, and then if, if you find like the right um, person or recruiter, they're doing your job for you, potentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you tend to uh, find a lot. Uh, I, I still get a few now because they keyword search um, LinkedIn. So if it's something specific that you want to be seen for, then that's something you need to put in your bio. Um, and then point. yeah from there you can you know get in touch with them and it's all experience at the end of the day yep. if you get five ten interviews you know you get confident more confident each time um, yeah it's just it's just all about you know being in the right place at the right time sometimes but yeah it's definitely a good start yeah and then just moving on to sort of a final question now, <coughs> you, now that you're in a role where you you're on the other side and you are the interviewer effectively what would you um look for in an interview if if you were hiring um partly i'd say obviously the skills the skills first so um if it's a specific role um then we'll look for that but also Equally as important is how approachable somebody is um, when they come to the interview. Um, we're looking for someone who's going to fit into a team. So they kind of have to, um, you know, if, they, if, if they're going to fit into that team and our team's multicultural, then we need to be sure that they're not going to ruffle feathers as such and that we're all going to get Which on is uh, hunger, yeah. heart and harmony. So if we can um, find somebody that fits that bill, so yeah, sometimes it's, um, actually beats. Basically, uh, I would say that skills are obviously important, but it's how you carry yourself as a person, um, and that that can be just as important. Yeah, if you, you you essentially if you had someone who was the best you could envision, but they're gonna interrupt everyone else's workflow then it's detrimental than picking someone who might not be as experienced but is going to fit in like a... Exactly. Um, that's that has come our uh, training now, sessions, actually. Um, someone who's really qualified for the role but is actually a, a bad fit for the team Yeah. is uh, someone that, you know, we'd, we'd probably look for someone else in that instance, even though they are super qualified for that skill. If they're going to cause 
problems within the team, then it's going to be worse for us in the long run. So we try and avoid that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think we've covered everything. Um, we've definitely dove into some sort of deep um, topics. I think the one that stands out most is return on value for myself, but hopefully everyone is going to learn something from this episode. Uh, thanks, Brendan, for joining me. No problem. Um, yeah, and I'll see you all soon. Thank you.